Welcome to the Purposeful Parent Podcast, a podcast for inspired parents. I'm Melissa. And I'm Kristen. I'm a parent of two little girls and the founder of Inner Architects. I love guiding parents and giving them a space to meaningfully connect, communicate effectively, break cycles, and learn to intentionally parent their kids. I'm an educator, a children's book author, and founder of Language Ninjas. With Language Ninjas and my books on the power of our words, parents and kids are given tools to empower their language. On this podcast, we are highlighting parents and educators who are choosing to mindfully show up differently for kids. Welcome to the Purposeful Parent Podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of talking with Chris Fugelsang. Chris has taught special education for 18 years in both New York and Japan. He spent the last two years transitioning from becoming a full-time business owner and an executive function ADHD and 2E coach for students and their families. And Chris has a passion for helping kids with executive functioning delays gain tools to help them be successful in life. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, you, you're working with a special group of kids, so we'd love for you to tell us about your background um, first as a learner and then how it impacted you and led you to the work that you're doing today. Oh, yeah, that's a great place to start, I think. Um, so my own story is that I struggled uh, quite a bit in my college years, you know, I think I was able to skirt by um, through middle school and high school and get decent grades. But I was always like a last minute kind of kid, kind of similar to a lot of my students. Um, I, I, I prided myself kind of on getting things done at the final moment and pretty much for the most part was able to handle it. Um, not saying there wasn't a lot of stress and anxiety involved in that, but um, I think what happens and what I notice with a lot of my students is like later when the, when when things don't when the, when the, either the material gets too difficult or when things get too uh too many things to juggle too there's too many things to handle that's when you know things can come collapsing down so that happened for me when I was in probably like I don't think it was until maybe my junior year in college where I realized I had to, I had to do something different in order to uh, make make things work for myself. I knew I I knew it wasn't the content. I knew it wasn't the material that I didn't understand. I knew it was more around like my study habits and my behaviors around learning and like how to process information and how to um, manage my time better and um and planning and organization i didn't have those skills i never picked up on them so um and especially in college things are on your up to you you have to figure it out on your own and uh i i i would say i kind of learned the hard way um but i figured it out basically through watching other people and seeing what friends and my peers were doing uh i think one time i was in the library and i just saw other people like using flashcards and taking notes in a different way than I ever did um, and uh, studying together and asking questions and like getting and, and, and using tools and strategies that I never really thought of, thought to use before. And I kind of picked up on it from, from them, you know, from, from that experience. And I, and I was tired of kind of like the struggle of 
doing things than the anxiety of doing things at the final moment. And so I think that led me into a career in education and, uh, and teaching in the schools. And that's where I kind of honed my craft of working with young people who are, were kind of had similar profiles to myself. Um, I would work a lot of times I would have like small groups of like six or seven kids in a classroom and pulling them out of class and finding and seeing, seeing that they struggled with like, not same thing as me, same things that I did, like not with the content. They weren't like, it wasn't an intelligence issue. It was more of a, uh, all these peripheral things that we take for granted around learning that they were not able to kind of uh, master. And like, you know, I think somewhere around that time of like middle school where like the work gets a little harder and like things start to get a little, um, you know, more advanced and the, the, the more critical thinking skills kick in, a lot of students start to have to, you know, manage their time differently and uh, understand, you know, that learning is more than just the content. And, and so what I was doing as a young teacher in those in those small classes was just kind of putting out fires and helping kids with their work and like, jumping around from student to student, I realized that that's that wasn't that wasn't what they needed, they needed something more than that. And uh, I was burning myself out as well because I was just kind of acting as a tutor or helping them and helping them with their work in a, in a way. And so what I realized at that time was that I have to do something different. When I, and I asked myself the question, what is the commonality that all these students are struggling with? And where, what, what is that middle ground that I can kind of like, teach them skills because that's what they need. They don't have certain skills and strategies and tools and they don't have something to pull from their toolbox. So I, that's when I started to get to learn more about ADHD. Um, and I learned more about the, the, those diagnoses for, for my students. Not all of them had were diagnosed with it, but many were. And I realized then I learned more about executive functioning and how the brain works. And I got really in, interested in that went to tons of conferences, taught myself about it. Um, and then just most of it was just experience, just like, okay, I, I, I got to get these kids on the same page. I got to get everyone thinking differently about how they learn and what they, what success means. And we, and, and then that's kind of from there, I had a long career in teaching in the schools, private, public, international schools. And then, uh, around the same time around the pandemic i uh that's when i i branched out i saw there's this immense need for one-on-one -on -one support because as much as the schools want to and try to and would love to kind of implement this type of support they're very lacking on time and resources to do it so um, that's kind of where i jumped in and i saw this opportunity to help so many more students in a one-on-one -on -one fashion and um and that's where I took the leap of faith to become an executive function coach. Very cool, Chris. Mm -hmm. um, we all have some teaching background. So I too was um, a teacher. I taught adapted PE for five years. So I worked very closely with the special ed teachers, um, with the behavior therapists and, and all that. Um, for our listeners that may not uh, completely know or understand what you're talking about, can you dig into what executive functioning is a little bit? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So we can get a little bit more context into what we're talking about here. 
Sure. So executive functioning would be like the most simple way of uh, describing it, it are the skill, the brain skills necessary to get things done. Right. So um, it's it's that prefrontal cortex, that front part of our brain that's not fully developed until we're into our mid 20s. Uh, and with many of the students that struggle with this type of uh, these, these type of skills or lack these type of skills, I should say, there's a bit of an asynchronous development. So they may be really good in some areas and they might be really lacking in other areas. Um, and uh, some of these skills uh, involve or include planning and organizing, time management, focus and attention, study skills, task initiation, getting started on tasks, et cetera. So um, like I said before, most of the students that I work with, they're uh, they're above, most are above or sometimes excep exceptionally above um, average intelligence, and they're able to complete the tasks, but they're, and they even know how, how they're supposed to go about doing it, but it's that initiation, that getting started, that, um, that uh, performance aspect of things that they have the most difficulty with. So what, what executive function work involves is all those peripheral things about how do we learn how do we get started how do we act on the things that we know we need to do but for some reason we can't our brains won't allow us to to follow through a lot of times awesome i, I think it's great that you've noticed that kind of gap with these specific children and recognizing that this is an important piece of it and i would argue that this could be a part of any like like it it should likely be a part of mm. public education or <laughs> education in general where it, like especially since like you mentioned <laughs> most people aren't actually digging into this stuff where their brains aren't ready for it until they're in their 20s so we're going through schooling without these skills unless they're being taught to us mm -hmm. um so i think it's real cool that you that you're you're honing in on that and that you're helping these kiddos out so thanks and i think i think you're right and uh, i think schools schools are some schools are starting to see the value in it and the importance of it but uh, like i said before they they're they're not always capable of um of you know providing the cuz cuz a lot of it is i mean a lot of it is small group or one-on-one -on -one support and there's limitations to what can be done in the school in a traditional school setting yeah and like you yeah. talked about like what you were doing was going in and saying okay you're having trouble with math like let me just talk to you about getting your math work done right and yeah. i think that's where the disconnect is where like if we're like okay this is how you could prepare yourself for the math work right like um mm -hmm. So it's just, it's, it's yeah. almost doing uh, I felt like I was almost doing them a disservice by helping them with their homework because that's not really what they needed at the end of the day. OK, yeah, you passed the class or you got you got the credit that you needed for that assignment, yeah. but you didn't learn the skill of like, OK, we should actually have started this a week and a half ago and broke this down into smaller parts mm -hmm. and been working on this little by little across the, the matter, the, 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 the range of a week or two. Um, and how to do that and how to, how to, you know, have the accountability and the supports to, to follow through on a plan like that. Um, yeah. What you're saying too, reminds me of, um, I did tutoring during the distance learning, um, 
the, the pandemic and with a fourth grader and he had dyslexia, I think um, maybe some ADHD as well, but dyslexia definitely he had. Um, and so he had a, he had an IEP, but also his mom, when I would talk to her, would more or less, it sounded like she wanted me to help him do his homework to make sure the homework was getting done versus helping support him with the homework. And I'm here like, I really want to support him to learn how to do this rather than just making sure it's getting done. And so, yeah, it, I <laughs> I understand too with the feeling mm-hmm. like that you're putting out, like helping put out the initial fire, but there's a bigger one happening over there that's completely unattended. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even if a lot of times the students do have the knowledge and they do, they, they can master the work and they've kind of, learn learn habits that that kind of like their grades aren't indica- necessarily indicative of that they need support or help sometimes because they're able to score mm. pretty high on their tests or they're kind of like able to you know uh pull some something out of their hat at the last minute and it's usually decent work it's not it's not terrible work so they're able to kind of get by so there's no the indication from the especially from the educator side is like Oh, or the, the the train of thought is sometimes oh this this child is just lazy or this child is not is 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 they can see they can do it and like they were able to do it but no they're not pay- a lot of times ed- the educators aren't picking up on the idea that and and uh, right I mean no no fault to them because they have a full plate of thirty something kids in their class a lot of times and they can't provide that kind of individual support but uh, oftentimes. But if the, if we start to notice these things and we start to say, hey, there's a different way, there's a there's a better way. There's a there's if you if you learn about how your brain works and how it works differently than other kids, then you can start to learn skills and these skills and tools and strategies that are going to get you to the next level. And I always tell parents. It's not about it's what what I teach is not just we're using school as a platform for this type of for success, but it's really life skills because you're going to need these things well into your future, into college, into Mm -hmm. whatever career, whatever life choices you're going to make further on in your life. For sure. I mean, and you, you talked about it being a disservice. Like my husband is like pinging in my brain right now because he's so He's so smart and he like he refers to school as like a game. Like it was a game that he figured out how to play and he was successful at it and he smoked weed a lot and was mm-hmm. in honors classes but like got really good grades and like was not on that radar for teachers to be like, "Hey, you know, you're slip like what's happening?" Um but he talks about now as an adult like wanting to learn new things and that he's had to like teach himself how to learn now mm-hmm. because he didn't really learn that in school. It was just get this task done and get and get good enough grades that like nobody gave me any shit, you know? And like, mm-hmm. and, and now as an adult, he's really, you know, could have benefited from some of this, like probably executive functioning type mm-hmm. type work where he was able to, to have a different experience through school. So it's just, it's interesting. Uh, it's it's funny you bring that up because I often use that same analogy. I'm a sports coach as well. I'm a, I've coached soccer for many many years, and uh, uh, one of the one of the 
analogies I use with my students is like, you got to think about school as it's a, like it's a game in a way. And you don't want to leave points on the table. You don't want to turn things in late. You want to take, but you got to know the rules of the game. If you know the rules of the game, then you can bend the rules. You can do things that suit your needs mm -hmm. without breaking the rules and doing something that you're not supposed to do something dishonest or something outside the, outside the realm of what it takes to, you know, to be, to be successful. Um, and, 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 but this whole idea of a game is like, it appeals to a lot of kids because they want, they want to know, they want to know the, the, the shortcuts and the tricks and the tools and, mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I, when I say shortcuts, I don't mean like, you know, doing something in a, in a way that's not, that's not, you know, fair or, or applying to the rules, but I mean something that's like, oh, okay, I have strength. I have a lot of strengths too. Yeah, I do have, my brain has some weaknesses and I do need some, some other ways to go about, but if I can find out what my strengths are and use those to, to, yeah. you know, play the game mm -hmm. of school and do really well at it, then I'm going to use every advantage I can. So <laughs> yeah and how, I, yeah go ahead Chris. oh i was gonna say i love the the idea of like playing to the strengths because like if we look at the just the label of adhd you think oh attention deficit hyperactive disorder like that's it seems negative but really there's so many positives in it like your brain is thinking completely different from somebody that is in the, is typically the typical learner and we need to like what the world needs is to learn more from these kids that are getting the labels and learn how to learn differently instead of all trying to learn the same way so yeah i love how you mentioned the strengths part sure. yeah i was gonna say um yeah playing playing to their strengths and getting them to to understand that it's a game lost my train of thought i had it <laughs> it distracted you <laughs> <laughs> it'll come back chris let's talk specifically about your coaching so when you have a child come to you what does that what does that look like yeah so i usually do uh two sessions per week with my students one this the first one is like a 45 to an hour session where we're working on these specific skills. So my foundational skill is the planner and uh, the calendar. I think it's, it's a must for students to be able to not just react to things, right? They have to see. So like part of that, uh, the first few sessions, few, few, sorry, the first like few minutes of our session is planning out the week. Okay, what's coming up? What assignments, essays, projects, uh, tests, quizzes are coming up. Let's let it all, let's line it all out. And this is something parents can, can do with their student, with their children as well. Let them see. Cause what, especially with all this stuff online and in these compartmentalized, uh, Google classroom or whatever, uh, you know, platform they're using to kind of like jump in and see, okay, what are my assignments for this week? What do I have to do? To, they're really just reacting to what they have to do that night. And it's not really an effective way of, uh, of, 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 of being productive and being successful for the long run. So when they can see it visually, so I make it really visual and I color code it and I make, I make it really visual for them to see like, oh, okay, this is coming up in a week. What can I be doing 
what could I be doing now to, to do like little steps, not big things like no one, n- there's not too many people who, who, you know, who can like study what, like two weeks in advance for a test. I wouldn't, I, I'm not even suggesting that per, per se, but I am saying there are little steps you can do and little and making, making the steps actionable, straightforward, not writing down on the planner, math homework, being really specific about what the homework is, how many problems, what the worksheet's all about. These are things, these are things that uh, students are very, and a lot of my students are very resistant to doing this kind of thing. But once, if I can show them the value in it, then they start to realize that like, oh, this is a recipe for success. This is a recipe for me being able to be, perform better have less stress, be less anxious around my schoolwork, and have more free time. So many of my students are are mixing their free time with their work time. So they're doing they're starting their work and then they're distracted on a website that or like an interest uh, something their preferred task over their non preferred task, and they're combining these things. So I really try to get them to separate those two things and say, okay, can we have a protected hour or half an hour uh that's that's distraction free of really quality work if you did that you have most of them have the intelligence to get everything done in that one hour and then they'll have all this extra time so incentivizing it for them showing them the value in these things um and then from from that initial skill from that like foundational skill of planning and organizing then we go into all the other executive functioning skills, they all branch, to me, they all branch off from there. So the time management, the focus and attention, the study skills, okay, you have this test coming up, how are you going to study? So so we get into all those types of things in our sessions. And then later in the week, we'll have a really short, short session, which is an accountability checkup. So in that checkup, that's when uh, we don't want to have a whole seven days go by because they're going to forget about me pretty, pretty quickly. So in that, in that two or three days later, check in, that's when we're, we're saying I I've provided them with action steps. And that's when they're, they're saying, yes, I did follow through or no, I didn't. And it's not about shame or guilt or anything like that. Accountability is about shining the light on back on them and allowing them to say, I actually think it's a good thing sometimes when they say, no, I, I wasn't able to do that because they need more. Oftentimes our students with ADHD need more instances of saying, I, I couldn't, or I, I didn't do it and finding out, and then we can hit the reset button, start over, find out why, and then pick it up again for the next week. Very cool. Mm-hmm. And I am wondering too, do you have, like, how do you recommend for the kids, like you open up an internet tab to do your homework and it's so tempting to open up let's say YouTube and start watching your favorite YouTuber or um, open up something else along the way. So how, yeah, what, what do you say to help encourage the kids to open a tab? Because it's the same thing as like having too many tabs in your mind, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I have too many thoughts going on. I, I have the same thing. Like if I open up um, too many tabs on my computer, instead of focusing on one thing, I'm now jumping back and forth between every tab, even if I meant to focus on just one of the tasks and then close it and move to the next. It's the open tabs that are 
um, distracting me. So, and getting me to hop around. So yeah. What recommendations do you give or what do you say to them to help them understand like one tab? <laughs> so you can yeah, focus. that's a, that's a definite pitfall and I'm guilty of it too sometimes. And it's like, you know, to me, I, I always say, I, I, I can't tell you exactly what to do all the time. I, I, I my job, my job as a coach Right. If we go back to like a sports coach, my job is not to say you need to do this or you have to do this. No, it's like it's there. There's suggestions. Right. And they're they're making bringing shining light on and making awareness of these of these issues and uh, empowering the student to kind of come up with solutions on their own for how they're going to deal with these kinds of things. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I do make I do often provide direct you know, suggestions and say, Hey, have you tried this? Have you tried that? But unless the student really takes ownership of it and sees it as a problem on their own, I'm not going to get anywhere with them. So I have to first, the first step is to kind of like have these conversations. So as a, as a coach, you're kind of doing this, this bit of a dance with your students to try to get them to kind of understand that that's a problem, first of all. So many of them will be like, I'm okay with jumping around from tab to tab. Like, I have no problem with it. It's actually more like, you know, I can take a break and I go right here and then I'll get back. But they, that task switching is often part of, it's it's part of that prefrontal cortex, that part of that, AD, that, that ADHD part of, part of your brain that's going to, you know, it's very difficult to do the task switching, um, moving back and forth. So, I mean, uh, first of all, sometimes it's just like, hey, let's get in there and close out all these tabs and just open one. So the first, like initially, it might be just showing them how much better that feels and like how much better that looks. Uh, for, for more severe like cases, I would say there's software you can you can download to to prevent yourself from being distracted for short periods of times um and uh you know there's there's ways you can you know put put your phone into another room you can set up your computer to be a work machine instead of just instead of just like everything machine so um a lot of my students will say to me sometimes like why can't my computer just act as just my 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 work stuff for for this time period that I wanted to. So there is software for that. Um, but the most thing like and the software only works if the student wants to use it, if they see it as a problem. So they have to kind of that's to, to me it's more of building up the the awareness and like letting them see like, oh, I gotta come up with a better way. I can't I can't have all these tabs. It's too distracting for me. It's too taking me away from what I need to do, which is my work at this current moment. Nice. You mentioned supporting parents in this as well. So talk to us about what that looks like. Yeah. So uh, all, everything I do is completely transparent with the parents. So um, I have all my documents. I, I do. I meet it almost exclusively over Zoom. So um, all my students are uh, all my records and all my notes, all, all my student documents are shared with not just my students, but with the parents as well. And they're highly encouraged to, you know, follow through, ask, ask certain types of questions um, and, and, and follow and help to the student to kind of like with that accountability aspect as well. I tell parents by bringing me in, 
you can act less as the enforcer and more as like the cheerleader. Okay. So like, it's more like, um, the parents role of nagging their child and, and getting them and saying, Hey, did you do this? Like, did you do that? Like, we don't, we don't, we want less of that because we want the student to take more, even if it's a little bit painful for both the parent and for the student, we want the student to take more, more, um, ownership of their own because as they, uh, their own work and their own responsibilities, because as they get older, they're going to have to do this on their own. So the earlier we can start, I don't, I call, I call it like controlled failures. Like we expect, we, we want to take our, the reins off slightly as parents, right? Um, we don't want to just let them take it, take it all away at once and let them crash and burn. I think that's a recipe for disaster. It could be, could be really damaging to this, to the child, but we want to, we want to kind of like let go slowly and allow them to kind of have some of these controlled failures where they can learn from them, experience a little bit of pain, not in the sense that like they're, you know, they're, they're going to fail the class. That's not it. That's not the idea, but in the sense that's like, okay, you know, you, you had a plan to kind of get this in on time and you missed the deadline. Like you're going to have to suffer the consequences of whatever that might be. And, but not, but in a way that's not, you know, shame inducing or fear inducing or in a way that's like, okay, let's hit the, let's hit that reset button, start over and try this again. You got, you can, we got to learn better skills and tools and strategies to make this work and be work for you. I love that so much. And I talk to my kids about failure. I have a five and seven year old. So I talk to them a ton about failure and allowing them and like natural consequences. So like, okay, you don't want to wear your rain jacket and it's raining. Like you're going to get wet, like understanding Mm -hmm. what that there is a consequence. And I think that we have a negative connotation around the word consequence. So like just what something is going to happen potentially based on the decision that you're making. Right. And I think allowing them to fail a test or have a, you know, an assignment that does, you know, that they don't get to redo or something like that. I think this is a perfect way for them to, to be able to do that in real life outside of school. So I think that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Because a lot of times parents and teachers as well, they want, they want, we want to protect our kids and it's our natural instinct instinct to do that. Right. Of course. And like, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But the, 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 if, if, if it's excessive or if it's too much, then we can, you know, interfere with the natural development of the child and what they're, what they're going, what they're going to need to experience down the road, because we, we, we want, we don't, we want them to, to fail, fail more or have these instances of struggle when the stakes are not so high, when they're in their middle school years, when they're in their maybe high, early high school years. But as the stakes get higher and higher, we, we want to we prevent that. So the earlier we can kind of let, let the reins go, allow them to experience some of this, and then kind of te- let them develop the skills. The thing is, it has to be paired with the teaching. It can't be just like, all right, you're going to experience failure. No, it has to be the 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 failure, but then the reinforcement with like, here's how to prevent that from happening next time. Yeah, the like safe failures in a way of like 
you're failing with a parachute because if you're first time learning to fail as you're looking for a job, it's going to be really hard having a job and maintaining it if failure is not an option. But if you have, if you're learning to fail within that safety net with the parachute and the support system, um, it's also showing that failure is part of the learning process and we grow from it. So it's giving it a new light too. Yeah. I love that idea of the parachute. That's exactly exactly what what i mean and i might use that that's a great great, great analogy <laughs> yeah yeah and it, like we said it's helping them become real adults in a real world right for sure like, exactly. you show up late to work consistently or you don't turn in the thing you're supposed to turn in for work they're going to fire you right they might give you some chances right but ultimately there's like you said there's much bigger things at stake than if you don't hand in your english essay and you have to deal with those consequences and maybe get a B plus instead of an A or C, you know, so I, I love it. I, I think it's amazing. And I, I wish that all kids would have more access to this stuff. And I think part of that is, you know, like kind of, you know, I, I, I almost work with the parents through the student. You know, I know there's some some people who are kind of against this, this executive function kind of work and they say it should be more of the work with the parents. But at the end of the day, the, st the student themselves are, needs, is, are the ones who need the skill. Hmm. So it is a team. It's a, uh, I, I think it's a team effort and it exposes weaknesses and areas of need that need to be addressed and that it's a conversation starter with parents. So parents can say like, oh, why is he struggling? They, they often ask me questions or like, well, on, you know, once or twice a week, I have time set aside where I can just like check in with parents about how things are going. And we have these kind of deep conversations about what they can do at home to kind of support and how they can, yeah. how they can follow through on a lot of the things that uh, we're working on in our sessions. Yeah. I would imagine too, that a lot of the parents you're potentially working with also have executive functioning either delayed or like aren't as you know adept as they could be in this area so i'm you're likely helping the whole family right like understanding how to do this better cuz i've met a lot of a lot of adults that can't figure out their calendar or can't figure out how to time manage or, you know, so I think it runs, I think a lot of times that you're right, it runs in families, right? Yeah. So whether it's ADHD, or whether it's just, I, do, I don't have these executive function skills. So I've never taught my, my child, like my child to do it. I think I said before, like that time in like middle school, where you're kind of like, it just kind of switches at some point, And you're just, you just kind of have to have these skills and some kids acquire it i don't know through their parents or through osmosis or through modeling or something but some kids just don't get it so um and it could be a result of you know something that's running you know the the, the family like something in the family or something from the parents so so if the parents don't have it as well sometimes sometimes parents are, will admit that and they'll say like oh i need i need these kind of this kind of help too so i'm learning a lot on my own as well yeah, I remember in middle school being handed a planner and we were somewhat taught how to use it, but mostly expected to use it. And then like at the end of the week, you get a little um, teacher initial or whatever they would do to be like, yep, you used your planner. 
There was no point in time where I actually put into like an intrinsic, I need to use my calendar because as soon as I wasn't being checked weekly, I stopped doing it. And I got into high school and I'm like, I have a Spanish test or quiz today. (laughs) I I don't know what any of my words are. Quick, let me cram it 10 minutes before class. So yeah, it's it was something that I never had an intrinsic, like I, this is why I'm keeping up with it. And so, yeah, like you were saying that I got to college too. And I started to have really like, that's the first time my grades started to suffer for me, not understanding how to better time manage. Um, but I was taught it like up here in my head, I knew yeah. why I should do it, but like, I didn't want to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think the planners that they give in school are not always the greatest of planners either. They're Mm -hmm. just kind of, they're so full of distractions and like quotes and sayings and pictures and things like that. When, when really what we need is something much more simplified and easy to use. And what I, you know, I have this combination kind of planner that I've created. That's, that's, you know, it's not just schoolwork, it's life activities practices, you know, appointments, events that are taking place, upcoming event, long-term, short-term plus long-term, and then a to-do list, right? Like our to-dos, our to-dos are kind of separate from that. Like, okay, what do I need to do? I need to email this person. I need to uh, check in with the teacher. Like that's not really homework. So it's got to go in a different space. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, and, and, and we got to get all this stuff especially with the students with ADHD or EF delays, like they got to get it out of their heads because our brain, they need their brains. I think I maybe mentioned this a little bit, uh, touched on this a little bit before, but like we need our brain space for that learning and for that critical thinking and for doing the, the, the deep work, not for remembering dates and, and, and planning out our days and things like that. That should be like, offloaded onto uh, uh you know a set our document and that's that's it it kind of frees up a lot of space in your brain to kind of like focus on the things because they have trouble enough as it is getting started and doing the things that they need to do now it's now it's offloaded and they can they, they can they can focus on the main the main task at hand yeah full stuff mm-hmm. good stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah do you have any tips for parents who have kids um with executive functioning delays or might suspect they have kids with the delays um tips in terms of what they can do with their child at home right so mm-hmm. yeah um you know i would say a lot of what i mentioned you know carries over but um you know Taking the, you know, allowing for those controlled failures would be would be a a a good step. Um, Having systems and routines such as writing things down, making things really visible. Um, If you look behind me, I have my I use this as a you know a model for my students. This is uh, creating habits and routines and like tracking what I'm doing. Uh, so making things really visual for students, I need this to be really big and, and, and in my space. So when I'm walking by, I see it, I won't forget to, to mark it off. I won't forget to do the thing that I really want to do because it's easy for us to forget. So making things 
you know, uh, environmental cues. I love environmental cues, setting up a workspace in, a, in ways that are conducive to getting stuff done, helping students with putting maybe these blocks on their, uh, downloading these apps and researching these apps and getting them on their computers so that they can have this protected time. All these things are great things parents can do. Um, and, you know, uh, it, we're going to get, we're, we're, the, the, the thing is with a lot of times with the student parent relationship, the, it, it can be frayed at times because the parent has put, overplayed this card of like nagging or pushing or saying, Hey, did you do this? And the response, they're not getting the response. So maybe just like shifting the kind of support you're providing instead of asking, 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 showing uh, giving examples of how you're doing it, lead by example. I think that's the number one thing. Like, and if parents are struggling, they can get help in this area as well. So, um, leading by showing and, uh, and, 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 and being that support of accountability for trying, trying to implement some of these strategies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And asking, we, we talk a lot in our coaching and stuff. We talk a lot about asking more questions as opposed to telling and being more curious. So like mm -hmm. if your child isn't, you know, is, is failing a class or is missing assignments or things like that. And you mentioned game, um, guilt and shame before. So resisting that, like, you know, urge to be like, what is wrong with you? Why aren't you getting your work done? Instead asking questions, you know, what, why are you missing this? Are you, you know, where, where can I support you? Right. Like asking, being curious about those things, as opposed to, you know, like I said, coming at, at it from a, 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 sh a shame or guilt um, side as well. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And the, the accountability part too, like I work with younger kids. So when I'm say that I'm noticing they might be thirsty or haven't eaten in a while. So for me, I might start saying out loud, like, oh, hey, I'm thirsty. I'm going to drink some water. And starting to model that also gets me thinking, I also haven't been drinking enough water. I'm going to drink more. And so the modeling gives you your own internal accountability as you start modeling it for it for the kids too. So like, hey, I'm going to sit down and look, these are the tasks that I have to do that this one's really important. I'm going to get started on it, even though I have a week to work on it. And as you say the things out loud, yeah, it's, it gives you yourself accountability as well. So I, I really like that. A great example of that, I think, Kristen, is to have a family calendar and mm. like everyone's in, 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 in everyone's responsible for adding things and putting things on that calendar is a great great way to kind of show how this is a useful tool. Um, I think, I think parents can, I also think like, you're absolutely right. You know, parents can, yeah, um, you know, model other things they're doing by showing instead of telling, right. We can show how this is, a, these are, these tools work instead of just saying, Hey, you should do this. And that's how I do my coaching too, because, I can't, I can't tell somebody what they need to do. They have to kind of discover it for themselves. So helping them discover it is, is a key um, in, in this whole process. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And 
where where can our listeners go to f- learn more about you and to check out Exceptional Path? Yeah, they can come to my website, exceptionalpath.com, and they can I can be emailed at theexceptionalpath uh, at gmail.com. And is there anything else you want to add that we haven't talked about yet today? Just that I would like to encourage parents to not give up and continue to seek those resources, uh, continue to, uh, you know, it, you know, reach out for, for help instead of trying to figure it all out on your own, have these conversations, get involved in, a, in groups where parents, other parents are talking about this stuff because you're not alone. There's, this is, there's an immense need here. And um, it's something that is, uh, it, 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 we're continually learning about and continually learning new methods and tools and to, to kind of help students in, the, in these struggles and uh, not to be afraid to get some outside help um, if, if necessary. Beautiful. <laughs> and yeah, you, you've given us a tip for parents with, um, but do, is there anything else you want to add to, yeah, um, an action or something that parents can do to parent more purposefully? I would say, you know, listen to the students' needs and um, hear what they're, hear what they're saying, you know, it's not always, and it may not always be with their words that they're, um, that they're trying to tell you something. Um, it may be a, a, a cry for help or a call for help, especially with the teenagers. They're, they're not, they, they may, you know, be past the point of, you know, asking for help and, um, but looking for tools, oh, I'm sorry, looking for, you know, subtle, ways that your child might be communicating to you that's uh, asking for that they may be asking for um, for for help and saying and kind of saying that they can't do it alone. So a lot of times what I'll do is I'll have like a meet and greet session with my students. And it's just like, I'm asking, I'm asking questions that like, that they have to answer. So let them kind of speak. If I like what you I think what both of you said before, you know, asking the questions, and allowing the student or the child to kind of like just say what they think on these topics because they have a lot to say and they they're not they're aware of what's going of of their struggles they're aware but you know oftentimes they're resistant to the help so finding ways to kind of get in through their door and listening to them I think are uh, are key takeaways here. Awesome. Thank you so yeah, thank you so much for talking with us today and really yeah. enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, I did as well. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Purposeful Parent Podcast. We had a really great time talking with our guests today and hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. Make sure to check out the show notes to get more information on today's guests and to check out what they are up to. To learn more about Melissa and Kristen, follow The Purposeful Parent on Instagram. You can also check out what Melissa is up to by following Inner Architect on Instagram. And to keep up with Kristen, follow Language Ninjas on Instagram. 
We'd love to hear how you are choosing to purposefully parent, so please feel feel free to reach out and say hi.